Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 173. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. What's up, girls? How's it going? Hi. We are fast and furious into 2023, two weeks in. I feel so, yeah. actually, I feel so overwhelmed and tired. I'm like, is the whole year going to be like this? I know. But I have so much stuff that I have, like, hanging over my head. And I'm like, I after the holidays were over, I was just needing a, a break and just, like, kind of a, a breath. But and it never came. So... <laughs> Yeah, dude. Pretty much. I am. I'm still putting away Christmas uh, decorations, dude. It's just uh, like I just can't get into it. But this weekend, for sure, I'm gonna get on it and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna put them in the storage uh, shed in the back and it's gonna be gone and say goodbye <laughs> to Christmas finally. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what big plans uh so far do you guys have into 2023? Oh, like uh, big plans, big plans? Like something um, that you're looking forward to. This year I'm graduating. Like Yay! I'm finally, yeah, That's this a year huge thing. I'm graduating. And That's I awesome. like, I think however long we've been doing this, I think we've been saying that I've been in school, but I've actually, I've been in school and I've been out of, I've been in and out yeah. of school. Uh, uh, all this to say. So I haven't technically gotten my BA. And to other people, I'm just like, damn, this bitch is taking her time. Yes, I am. Um, um <laughs> Uh, because like once you get out it really is hard i always thought like oh it isn't that hard but no it really is hard to get back into school um uh, and also you where you are in life might have changed as well but i think i really have embraced the idea of like everybody at their own pace because Mm -hmm. it it really is it it's hard school is hard um um and then if you're doing something that you don't like or you don't really think you're going to be doing something with it, it feels like you're dragging your feet. And so um, it's been a long journey, but this year for sure, I'm finally, finally uh, getting my degree. And um, um, and uh, I technically do already have one, but an AA isn't as impressive. As, and even a BA isn't as impressive anymore. Right? <laughs> anymore, um, Yeah. Yeah, and like even masters are getting like up there, like oh, you like, gotta get your doctorate. Yeah, you gotta get a PhD now to be somebody, and it's just uh-huh. like, damn, not everybody got that kind of money. <laughs> or even like, like a PhD, unless you're an actual like doctor in medical or like a lawyer or something. No, or you're going into teaching of the subject. A PhD mm-hmm. is useless. Yeah. It really, it really is useless. Um, um but. You know what? I've done it. I'm proud of myself that I have finally done it, uh, or I'm gonna do it because still hasn't happened yet, and I'm trying to jinx it. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, that is like the biggest thing that I am awaiting this year. Wow, that's, that's a big huge! Deal. I'm so yeah. excited for you. That's really amazing. Does that mean we get to go on a road trip to San Jose for graduation? Yes, I, I know. Yes. I was thinking that. I was thinking it. When? When? What month would you be graduating? Probably June because I applied for application in the summer just in case, mm-hmm. like if there was like any any things that I was missing and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, uh, but I don't think so. I think I'm on track. 
for everything and fingers crossed uh, that I can stay on track and I should be graduating in the summer. That's awesome. You're fucking doing it. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. So my big plans are I'm traveling to San Jose in June. (laughs) (laughs) But both of you are, apparently. (laughs) Um, But so far, the only big plans I have is I am um, running the LA Marathon in March. And very sadly, the same weekend that the Latino Comics Expo is... um, up in when well, no, no is it expo festival latino comics arts festival latino comics arts festival thank you yes. um anyway the one in modesto uh created and held by dr teresa rojas um and it is one of our favorites to go to and unfortunately it was um scheduled to be the same weekend as the marathon and i had already Uh, purchased my ticket not my ticket my entry to the race and made my plan so I'm sadly going to miss that this year but um and I'm running a half marathon this Sunday and I have a couple other races that I have thrown in there here and there but um that's it I'm only I've only planned something through March I don't have anything else (laughs) big (laughs) (laughs) That, well, that's exciting. And yes, uh, I'm hoping to make it to the Comics Arts Festival, um, but I haven't um, I haven't really planned it out. So hopefully I can make it at least one day, at least Saturday would be cool. And then mm-hmm. go drinking at that, uh, what is it, 1870 Brewery? Mm-hmm. Woman-owned, family-owned brewery? Oh, just 1870 thinking about it makes me happy. Brewing Company in Modesto, yeah, 1870. California. Yes, exactly. I have this thing right here. <laughs> so hopefully I can do that. I can make it down there and just, you know, say hi to people, pass out our cards and stickers. So hopefully, fingers crossed. I am for this year, I planned it this last year. Um, I'm going to Hawaii. I hope I'm saying it right. Hawaii. <laughs> or as uh, here they call it Hawaii. But I'm excited because my aunt is turning 50 and uh, she requested that we all p- take a family trip. Um, so, and my birthday's in January, so it's basically, it'll be her celebration, but the actual trip will also feel like a celebration of, of my birthday. Um, I think I'm turning 47. I can't remember. I'll have to do the math, but I'm not doing it on the show, (laughs) but, but that's exciting for me. I really, uh, that wasn't a destination I had in mind, but it would be really nice to see and like bathe in the ocean and it, you know, maybe see some water falls or something. So I'm really excited about that. And then another trip that Frank is planning is for me to return to Nicaragua in June. Um, ah, the bugs miss you. They sure do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that tasty morsel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those mosquitoes just love me. But, um, yeah, we're going to spend like three days in Selva Negra, which is like on top of the mountain. So it's not so hot. Mm. And so, like, I'm excited about that. Um, but we'll be celebrating Mother's Day, Nicaraguan Mother's Day, oh. Frank's birthday. And then we're supposed to baptize uh, his best friend's newborn that hasn't been born yet, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Cool. So it'll but be it like will three... be born by that time. 
Yes, definitely. So yeah. that's that's my plans for 2023 so far. So hopefully everything mm-hmm. turns out well. Um, I'm very excited about that. You saying that has reminded me that I do, like, I want to go visit my friend in New York on her birthday in oh, March. Oh, cool. Uh, and I also want to go to Guatemala again around uh, October, November for Dia de Muertos again. Oh, oh yeah. that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Super amazing. So yeah, future plans, maybe, hopefully they'll happen. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana, and I have some chisme. <clears throat> Angela Bassett wins the Golden Globe for Black Panther Wakanda Forever as the first actor to earn, earn a major award for Mar- of Marvel movie. Uh, Angela Bassett won the uh, Golden Globe on Tuesday for her performance as Queen Ramonda in the Black Panther movie. Um, this is the major win uh, for acting in a in a movie based on a Marvel comic. So that is pretty pretty exciting. Interesting. Um, I'm shocked that that's actually the truth that there's not been any major win from the movie. From the MCU right. movies. That's weird. I would have thought that there had been. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Other than- I think the more goes to Angela Bassett and her amazingness in everything that she does. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so, of course, it's a black woman who hands Marvel their first win. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes sense because, uh, I mean, they are, say what the Marvel defenders are probably going to come for me too, but they're not exactly highbrow cinema. And (laughs) (laughs) they're not exactly highbrow cinema. Uh, They, they are very much um, uh, for a mass audience. So they try to, there is a theme of kind of generalization to a lot of their films. I mean, if you break them down, it's all pretty much the same formula. Yeah. Um, and this is like someone who loves, like, I still love Iron Man. I still love Captain America, mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> Winter Soldier, like uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But there is um, uh, a kind of... Uh, they're, they're easy to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh but that's for everybody. And I think especially for like award shows like these, if it isn't something that is new and technical that has been done, then there is usually there. They are a little bit more like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in Spanish. They're a little bit more. I like, I know. <laughs> well you know i totally get what you're saying though like you know they're kind of like you know they're just they're for the kids you know they're for the 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 kid in all of us so Mm -hmm. for it to have a major win is kind of exciting and yeah it is yeah it's really cool good for them great for angela bassett oh absolutely Um, yeah. And, so let's and actually, hmm? actually, this is her second win. Her first win for, was for the Tina Turner biopic. What's love got to do with it? Oh, so, yeah. so she's won before. So it's really exciting. I, I'm 
And there have been some nominations before, like Ryan Reynolds for Deadpool and then Jack Nicholson for Batman, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker, and also Heath Ledger for The Joker. Those those two did win, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and also Heath Ledger. Um, uh, but yeah, so I... And I think Heath Ledger won... Was it the Oscar or a SAG award for the Joker representation? But I can't remember. But he by, by that Wasn't time, that I think it was post posthumously. Yeah. <laughs> After he died. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But, is but it, there was a joke that was like, like you can't win if one of the actresses died, or if <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, what was the other one. Oh god, and this one's kind of probably it was it was a mean one too, like from when I can remember it. I think but okay, I think I can't remember, but was it with when a straight actor uh, plays a gay or queer character? I thought that no, was no, 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 no. It was like meaner than that. Oh okay, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. All I remember, I was just like, oh, that's fucking mean, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so. Many congratulations to Angela Bassett and all those in the Marvel Studios, you guys. Even though this is one of the movies that is not highbrow, like Jen said, um, there was a win at the Golden Globe. So um, that was my chisme. I remember the word. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, it literally just came to presumido. There you go. Presumido. That was the uh, word I was cocky. trying to think of. Huh? What is it? So, like, cocky. Cocky. Yeah, kind of like... All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. What is on your radar, Kristen? On My Radar is a brand new book that was out this week called Black Cloak. And let's see, where are we at here? So um, it is a number one from Boom, I believe. Hold on, no, Image. Sorry about that. Image Studios. And it is written by Kelly Thompson, who is an Eisner Award winning writer. I think she won uh, an Eisner for both Captain Marvel and Black Widow. Um, and the artist is Meredith McLaren. And I believe Becca Carey is the colorist. Uh, and so, uh, no, Becca Carey is the letterer. So uh, this book is being touted as a cross between Blade Runner and Saga. And this what? first issue, this first issue, what, I've never seen Blade Runner, so I don't know what that means. So <laughs> <laughs> still, still, I blame Eddie. I blame him. <laughs> um, so, uh, but Saga-esque uh, is being thrown around with regards to this book. This first issue is a triple-sized first issue for a mere $4.99. It is a super thick first uh, number one, which I really appreciate. I really like getting a big, thick portion of the story. And I loved this book. Um, we open to basically a little synopsis of how there was um, a war to end the world, basically. And um, there is a, 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 city where the people who survived are inhabiting and there was this like grand evil that uh they actually 
succeeded in getting rid of, but once the evil was gone and they were not able to come together to go against that thing, they started going against each other. And this in, in, in uh, the description of being saga-esque, uh, kind of comes from the fact that there are um, like fantastical beings. There's mermaids, there's elves, there's um, fae. So uh, the thing that I particularly enjoyed about this story is that there is a murder mystery. The whole first issue revolves around a murder of this dude who actually is kind of like um, royalty. And one of the black cloaks, so it turns out the black cloaks are kind of like um, like detectives, but like very highly regarded. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the black cloaks turns out uh, had been engaged betrothed to him but as we find out further in the issue something happened to where she was excommunicated from her community and was not able to marry him so there's a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on a whole bunch of interesting things the dialogue is great the art was really cool um and just the murder mystery to me was super, super intriguing and I really enjoyed it. So um, basically the first issue has, has come out this week. So you can jump right on uh, and continue to read it throughout the, I'm not sure if it's an ongoing or if it's a mini series, but um, let's see. I don't see if it says here either one, but um, if it is ongoing, then I can't wait to see where it goes because it was just for first issue, really, really enjoyable. Well, that sounds awesome. And the fact that you get a big chunk of the story right away in the first issue is pretty awesome. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sounds exciting. It really does. Well, I have some on my radar, and this is really quick. I think you guys should all see Wednesday. That series oh, is so much yeah. fun. Really enjoy it. It's on Netflix. It's like, I think even um, the main actress who plays Wednesday was nominated for a Golden Globe. Mm. Um, she didn't win, but I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And my aunt saw it, and she's like, have you seen it? I'm like, no, I haven't gotten around to it. And she said, you know, I watched the whole thing, and I want to watch it again. So that, oh. to me, was like, oh, it must be really good. So yeah. immediately after that comment, I watched it, and I was like, oh, I love it. Love That's it. Cool. Yeah. Well, I know that they've already been approved for season two. Exactly. I'm excited mm -hmm. about that, too. All right, guys, it's that time again. The time I love. What time is it, girls? <laughs> es la hora de la cervecita. Woo. And I, are we I am not excited. I am scared because I am being forced to drink a beer that has the word sour in the title. <laughs> You know, honestly, whenever I purchase beer, that also scares me. I see like great art and I see like these ingredients in the in the can and I'm like, oh, this sounds good. And then I look and it's a sour and I'm just like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, so, sours always hurt my stomach. Oh, OK. Oh. So this is a beer called Pepino Sour from Brewery X. No, sorry. 
I'm lying. From Border X. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> Me From too. Border X Brewing. And it is a Berliner Weiss style ale. And it wow. is delicately tart Berliner Weiss bursting with fresh cucumber and a touch of lime. It's great alone or try it in a in uh, Border X Brewing's famous micheladas, pepino michelada. Have you ever had that, Sarah? Their pepino I did, michelada? I did. I, I did. So. I did. All right. So I'm going to say something right now here. And so when I hold it up against like right here, it looks like a golden. Oh, like, yeah. Look at that. Kind of clear color. But when I hold it like right in front of me against the screen, yeah. it looks green. It How looks funny. green. <laughs> wow. That's really I cool. Didn't... Oh, my so, God. So, yes, it's it's a uh, Latinx um brewery border x and it's a craft culture and community and they have a lot of really awesome events at the i don't know about their san diego location which is their original location but the facility in bell in the city of bell it, they do a lot of really great um events uh, on the weekends and so forth and mm -hmm. uh they just, and as you guys know uh Border X is also the home of Beer Thug Brewing. So if you're ever in right. town or if you're in the area, definitely check them out and try yourself a michelada with the pepino sour. So upon opening the can, there is an aroma of pepino. Now, yep. for you guys that don't know Espanol, pepino is cucumber. It makes my mouth you, water just smelling it. Yeah, and you know that we like to put uh, salt and chili on our fruit. Well, That's literally what I just went to go grab right now. Oh, my God. Look at that. Sal de chile. <laughs> Sal de chile. Yes, actually, um, one of my, my nephew's favorite um, snacks is pepinos con limón y chile mm. sal. That's no, how we eat tajin, tajin. Yes, that's what we mm -hmm. how we eat fruit and vegetables. So, um, so this is a this is a kind of a familiar smell to me. What do you guys think so far? Well, just the smell alone makes my mouth water because I thinking about eating the cucumbers with salt and lime and tahini on it, and it just made my mouth start to water. Um, <laughs> but I can also I. <laughs> <laughs> But I also can smell the maybe sourness, so I'm scared still. So I'm gonna take a drink. <laughs> I really, really like it. Like I not only did it after the first sip did I go get the sal de chile, I wanna go grab a limon too so that I can squeeze this in here. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Cause it literally to me, what it tastes like, where like I think if I added the limon and more sal de chile, it tastes like the bottom leftover. Yes, of, like, that's the what juice. I was gonna say. Yeah, 100%. the leftover juice. Yes, it's it's yes, ooh, it's so good. Yes, and oh my I God. always drag the fruit leftover so I can get that juice onto it. Yep. Do you know that whenever like we made them when we were kids, because I grew up with my aunt, sometimes she lived with us. We would fight over who got to drink the the leftover juice from the pepinos, uh -huh. and this is exactly what this is. It, this is unleashing a series of memories from my childhood from just tasting this beer. It's so delicious and crisp, and it's like very summery. I feel, but it yes. also feels like it's like 
fuck it's beer dude it's something like i can feel like the little alcohol in me like just you know but what was the uh, avb on this uh 4.4 oh nice no five five percent five percent oh yeah i thought i Wait, looked you- it up and I remember this may wrong. be a new because this one on the um, can it says five percent, so it may be like maybe a new reiteration of the beer that yeah that I because uh, I looked online. Oh my god! If you guys have tahini yep. or four point four online, so I guess they they upped it. <laughs> they upped it. Yeah. They upped it. But yeah, if you guys have um, uh, mine says five point oh. If you yeah. guys have it, uh, sal de chile, throw it in there. Oh my god, it's so good. So if you are local to Los Angeles or San Diego, you can go to Border X and they have this beer on tap from what I remember. And if you're not familiar with Border X, I'm, do, I'm saying it right, right? Where yes, this one's Border yes. X, right? Border X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Border X, um, just as Sarah was mentioning, all of their beers um, are inspired by the latinx culture so they have beers that are like horchata beer they have a mexican chocolate beer they have this pepino sour um i can't remember i want to say that there was something also with um jamaica that we had Mm -hmm. when we went uh and then they also have flights of uh, micheladas that they make for you as well um with the different beers and uh different ingredients and it's just super super uh i want to say unique uh and creative the way that they have incorporated the latino culture into their beer brewing yeah, I had a stout. I cannot remember the name of it, but it was a stout, and they uh, lined the the glass with cajeta. Cajeta sort of mm-hmm. like that kind of like syrupy, uh, milky substance with sugar. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. delicious. It was delicious. Oh, my. They, they're really just really just really honing in their ingredients and just making them like a, like a highlight in their beer and their brewing. So... Um, I had this one with the michelada and I got a little ta- tarrito, this, those little um, clay kind of like cups and it had a Dodgers, the Dodger logo on, oh, on the cool. front of it. So mm-hmm. I, we got to take that home. So I was like, oh, oh wow. this is great. Yeah. I yeah. haven't been since you. we all went together years ago. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. We, we had one Pre-COVID. of the... COVID pre-covid yeah, um mm-hmm. podcast meetings and it was there and it the it was just really great we had a really great time there um but mm-hmm. i'm i don't know what else to say other than this is unlocking some beautiful memories from my childhood eating pepinos with family preparing the pepinos for my nephew when he was younger i mean this is like you said like just throw in some tajin or some sal con chile yeah and it just it, it just uh enhances the taste so are we ready to actually rate it yes so our rating scale uh is a i always want to say five but apparently it's a seven point scale (laughs) with our um our zero on the scale being flaccid uh one being very unsatisfied two being unsatisfied three is neutral Four is satisfied and five is very satisfied. And if it's a off the charts, six out of five, super saiyan. So Sarah, why don't you tell me what you rate this beer? 
Well, because this beer has touched simply so many facets from, you know, bringing back memories and from how you can enhance the taste with um, sal de chile or tajin and for the fact that it's a sour and it's not hurting my stomach. And it, it was something that I was really apprehensive about because I do not like sours. They always hurt my stomach. It's going to be a super saiyan for me. Wow. Super saiyan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super impressed with this. The actual, oh, my mouth is watering and I've been drinking it. My mouth is watering <laughs> because, because just thinking about like the intensity of the um, cucumber taste with the, mm-hmm. with the twist of lime and it mm-hmm. being a beer and you know, I love beers. So this is super same for me across the board. Well, this is Kristen and I'm going to give it a very satisfied, a five out of five. Um, I'm not going as far as Sarah. Um, I really liked it. It also, cause I, I don't have memories of eating pepino as a kid. I didn't start eating them like that until I went to college. Cause my roommate who's from LA used to eat them like that. And I started eating them like that and, um, really enjoyed them. So, mm-hmm. um, I also, um, get just the flood of memories of eating <laughs> fruit from the the people on the uh under the little umbrella and just having it tastes a hundred percent like the juice that's left over and so um and it's good and i love it and uh i think uh next time i'll get a glass and rim it with tahine and drink it like that because it would be so good i can see jen oh, doing so good. <laughs> Yeah. So I give it a five out of five. Put it in there. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think, you know, especially since it's sour and I really don't like those, this did really manage to take me by surprise by just how good it tasted and just how very poignant and very specific the taste is that I'm going to have to go with. A Super Saiyan, actually. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I really, really, really like it. Like I am, I'm, I'm almost done. Like wow. it's a five point oh, so I'm probably not gonna feel it. But I'm, I'm gonna go with a Super Saiyan. Well, I knew that you liked it, but I did not know you were gonna go Super Saiyan. Uh, so I'm yeah. so <laughs> I like it that much. And I'm a little bit proud of myself for <laughs> for actually inspiring a Super Saiyan from from Jen because th- that's hard, guys. That's very hard. She's very like, <laughs> if I don't like it, I don't like it, and that's it, you know. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm so. And you know what? Whenever you're back in town, let's just go to fucking uh, Border X Brewing and have ourselves some micheladas and like taste it out, out in the wild, out in life. <laughs> Sure. If it, if it's with this as the base, I'm willing to try a michelada. Oh, look at that. Nice. Try new things, guys. So that has been <laughs> our beer review. All right, guys. Now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? Ooh, what are we reviewing today? We are oh. reviewing a webcomic called The Poet and the Flea. And this little ditty (laughs) um, is um, a one-panel comic that has about a hundred and... How many episodes was it? A hundred and twenty? Twenty-four. 
Okay, 124. But each mm-hmm. episode on tapas.com, or no, tapas.io, um, mm-hmm. is uh, just one panel of this comic. And this comic is a reimagining of the life of the poet painter William Blake. The comic is set in 1790 at the onset of the Industrial Revolution, where William suffers from the death of his beloved younger brother, Robert. Catherine Blake, uh, his wife, attempts to comfort her husband but cannot dispel his grief. During this spell of anxiety, William is visited by an ominous creature, the ghost of a flea. The flea reveals a vested interest in William's spiritual well-being, the result of an unorthodox wager. Will William triumph over the flea's sinister meddling, or will he fall victim to the flea's corruption? And uh, it looks like this particular comic gets an update every Wednesday. Yes, and it's written and illustrated by G.E. Gallas. Um, if I were yes. pronouncing it in Spanish, I would be saying Gallas because it's double L. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, so oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Jen. Well, I was gonna um, uh, come up. So I know William Blake because I've studied him a bit for some of my classes and some of my poetry classes. He's a very, very prominent English. Um, uh, Poet, he came, uh, I want to say, what was it? He was or like around the the early 1800s, I want to say, is when he was uh, most like, like he was like, that's when he was like doing all of his like poetry and stuff like that. Because um, uh, he was born in around like 1750s. Uh, it's been a minute. Um, uh, <laughs> But he was like his most famous piece of work was uh, the Songs of Innocence, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, um, uh, and it was a collection of poetry that gained a lot of notoriety because he did the he did the artwork in it all by himself, uh, and they usually had to do with. Um, um, a lot of, at the turn of the century, like the Industrial Revolution and everything, uh, the world as the, the English knew it was expanding more and more. Uh, this was around the time when they really started uh, exploring Africa and like the Americas were well and settled, but there was just, it was really, uh, really the, 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 Industrial Revolution, the Industrial Revolution and the rise of imperialism. Uh, as well and like colonialism and stuff like that as well um but he himself his works were well known because they were all very vivid uh he had he used really wonderful language and he was um uh i think the most well-known one that i think if, if you haven't uh read it you probably heard about it in an english class or something but it's called the tiger uh and I could read it. I am. Uh, I'll read the first um, uh, part. It might trigger some. Tiger, tiger, burning bright, in the forest of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? So he was well known for really kind of, like not exactly like questioning God, but kind of um, uh, 
like putting in using God and religion very heavily in his poetry and posing questions that at the time some people were like the answer was obvious but he was still like no we need to put a little bit more thought into how these things um uh he was definitely a believer in like um uh uh, divine providence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his poetry is very lovely. It's very beautiful. And he led a very interesting life. Well, part of the of this comic, she, uh, the, the creator, actually incorporates some of the lines from his poetry um, as mm-hmm. we are moving through the story. And I actually thought the same thing that his po- poems um his poetry his wording was very very um beautiful i really enjoyed it i had during my goth stages uh in, <laughs> in school, i was super into poetry and i would peruse the books um uh in uh in the library and just pick them at random and if it was all like fluffy and like hearts and and sunshine and waterfalls or whatever i would be like no so like after i read all of sylvia plath and uh and uh and sexton i try i would just randomly <laughs> pick off the, off the um off the shelves and mm. i don't know that i ever came across him i do i did uh, recognize his name, so I'm sure I read him either in high school or college. But um, in the comic, the lines that were shared um, create very creative, creatively. I thought um, were really beautiful and made me actually want to go seek him out and read some of his poems on my own. Yeah, yeah I, have I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I have a PDF of his uh, poems. I can send them to you. Uh, there, okay. A lot of them are easily available online. Um, uh, Poetry Foundation has a good um, uh, accumulation of them. Mostly his like more well-known, really popular ones. But I do think he he is someone worth reading because a lot of his poetry is just stylistically and technically very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, no, I... I guess, like, I mean, we've we've come across biographical comics. We've reviewed them before. But making one about William Blake had never really occurred to me or even just because, I guess, uh, in the canon, he's like, he's basically in the canon. Um, um, uh, but even then, I've only mo- known more about his poetry and not about him mm-hmm. uh, as, like, a person kind of like usually in school unless you're specializing in like in the, the autobiographical and specifically like about, about William Blake himself you don't really know or kind of care about um uh, his own life and this is of course is a piece of fiction it's a piece uh the it's tagged horror as well uh because yeah. there is like there is very much a strong aspects of horror in this but uh it's drama and horror but i really 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 liked it um even though it was something that i never thought of it makes sense especially i mean poets especially like kind of those like turn of the century or like romantic or like pre-romantic post-romantic um um, and even the romantics poems they led such interesting lives (laughs) <laughs> I, to put it to put it mildly um it makes it makes sense that this is something that someone would be interested in doing and i thoroughly enjoyed reading it i didn't 
I wasn't able to read all of the panels, but what I did read, I really did like. Even though uh, Blake was almost over a century older than Shakespeare, it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of like how Shakespeare's characters always had, um, not always, but a lot of his um, his plays had these, they were, uh, what's it? the term I want to say they they were not burdened or but they had this burdened like glorious purpose <laughs> <laughs> they had this like thing like for example is it Macbeth where he is tortured by the ghost um and so that's oh, kind of what it, yeah that that's mm-hmm. kind of what this reminded me of of him being tortured by this flea um which is no flea at all hence <laughs> it looks more <laughs> like a demon um yes. and, and so um that's kind of what it reminded me of and then you you in the horror aspect you're kind of like uh as the reader like does this thing actually exist is it just a product of his of his imagination like what's going on in his life um, with respect, and I was kind of upset because just as I was getting into the story and we were getting more background, it was like more issues to come, and, and <laughs> it was it was stopped. But um, obviously, the death of his brother has tortured him, and I was wondering like what that relationship was like, and and is this ghost of the flea actually real, or is this some kind of thing that is manifested? from whatever um, trauma that he experienced from the death of death of his brother. So I didn't know, I don't know uh, also his um, autobiography. I don't know his life, anything like that, but it was just like very interesting uh, enough to, for me to want to read his poetry and to also like Google him and be like, Hey, what's up with this dude? Like, (laughs) where is this coming from? So I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up Shakespeare, too, because you're right. It's a little bit like a Macbeth, um, uh, but also I think you were trying to go for a Hamlet who's haunted by the... who uh, We aren't really sure. It, it says it's the ghost of his father, but there's a whole... Hamlet, yes. ...argument that it could, it could be something else. It couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't want to get started on that route. Uh, <laughs> Like once it starts to start talking about Shakespeare arguments, it goes wild. Um, um, but yeah, there is a, a very strong similarities to that. Uh, also, as I was reading it, I kept thinking about the quote in *Midsummer's Night's Dream* that Theseus makes uh, about uh, the um, uh, the play, the poet, uh, the madman, and the lovers uh, all have such strange minds. They're basically calling them all crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. He calls them all crazy or delusional, and it's really, really funny because um, um, it, it's a it's a very um, uh, I think apt comparison too because what is it uh, the phrase itself was an argument saying that uh, poets could create something out of nothing, uh, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. we really see that here too with William Blake because. Uh, one of the f- beginning stories that we get about him after we re- we get some of the poetry uh, snippets is about how he saw uh, a tree that was full of angels and mm-hmm. that when he went to go tell his father that he got beaten. And I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, damn. 
but of course that makes sense because at the time stuff like visions or stuff like that or saying you saw stuff like yeah. that it could be a sign of either like you know like witchcraft or witchcraft like mal- yeah or like a mouse but like mal um uh, there's a specific word like not malice but something like it like like you were being you were going to be contaminated by evil spirits basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's super interesting too what you're saying because that particular uh snippet of his poem made me think in 1790 what was it to be a poet um like even in this day and age to be honest with you i think people would be like looking at you and being like um uh-huh you write words in in short sentences uh, on a piece of paper like what kind of career is that type of thing and um and so i it that to me made me start to think of just like what was the uh what was what was his education first of all because that also was mm-hmm. interesting when you saw the marriage um certificate he signed his name and his wife only signed an X, which yep. is what people who didn't know how to read and write used to do to sign their names. And I was wondering, uh, was this in a time where women just didn't, um, weren't allowed to do that or where, like there was all kinds of things that were put into this small little one page comic that made me so interested to know more about this dude. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah so i was just wondering like what did it mean to be a poet in 1790 like were you looked down upon um like if his dad was going to beat him for seeing angels in in the trees what was he going to do or say to him that he's putting these fantastical ideas down on paper Mm -hmm. i believe like um uh i mean if you like to go to wikipedia it says he was a poet painter and printmaker but i think he did most most of it was a printmaking that's Mm. Like uh, like newspaper press and stuff like that. Um, uh, putting those out. That's the money because maker. you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't unless you were nobility or of like, or like really high up there. Like you had money, you couldn't be a full time poet. Like mm-hmm. that's just not. I mean, and even now, you I don't think you can. I know. Really I was be like, you can't be a full time yeah. poet now. No, you can't yeah. just be like it, it, unless you're like the poet laureate or something like that. It's not yeah. really. <laughs> it's it's a side gig at best. Yeah. <laughs> um. um uh, and another thing was, I believe at the time it was considered gauche, it to, like, make money off of poetry. You just did it. You like uh. Like it wasn't something because it was it was something oh. that you like did as leisure. They didn't want you to sell out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and also because you like, had to be a suffering were, poet. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Not even no, because usually it was like rich people who were poets. Um, uh-huh. uh, it was rich people who were poets, so they didn't need to be paid for making their poetry. Basically, mm-hmm. so it was like one free content to like the the publishers and stuff like that, uh, and two, it was just like they're like, why do you need more money when you already have money? This is like kind of your your uh, your noble sacrifice or your noble duty to put out like poetry out into the world. Now, if you think about it, I'm just like, no, bitch, pay me. Uh, but also, <laughs> poetry and writing uh, and literature isn't just a rich people's person's thing. It has been become a like. You you have to. It's mm-hmm. it's part of the commonality now, and so that's why uh, now 
uh, it's not gauche to be paid for your writings. Um, uh, so exactly. yeah, that at that time, that's what that would have been like. Yeah, I um, when I started reading this um, at the beginning, it was a little slow. It took me a little bit of time to actually yeah, adapt to the one page issue kind of thing volume not volume I guess chapter so it took me a bit to um, get that used to that but I really encourage you to push through that because by the the garden of love poem from William Blake it all just started to just mesh together really well and it just with your guys's conversation about like she put an x instead of sending her name like all these questions about the times I feel that the creator of the comic put in time and researched um that that time that she Mm -hmm. is writing the 1790s um and again i also thought the flea would be smaller and i like the explanation (laughs) about um (laughs) how the souls were um correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like i can't remember exactly what they said but i think the souls of like bad people were resurrected Mm -hmm. as fleas on a rat Mm -hmm. so i was like damn that's pretty deep like yeah um Um, and oh go ahead i I also like how, like how um, they even included like religion as far as bringing Raphael the Archangel into the storyline as well, um, and the wager that was struck between the Archangel and the flea, and it just it just uh, was it's a little bit like I feel a little bit of dread for William at this point. Because, I mean, I'm not certain what's going to happen. But fortunately, in the story, uh, Raphael the Archangel um, requests the help of Voltaire. And Voltaire uh, was a... um, uh, uh, Blake was a pupil of Voltaire. And so he had already been dead like 10 years. And he came back to kind of aid him... um, in in this in this uh, wager for his soul basically so i feel like there's a lot of doom coming because it's just a high stakes wager of a man's soul a man who is tormented or even sees angels in trees and writes poetry like if it, it feels so really well thought out really amazingly executed i the marriage between the poetry of blake in this comic was really amazing well done i i like i said at first it was slow and it took me a while to adapt to like the single page kind of thing but once i once it hit i couldn't stop reading it I was just like, I need more. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. And um, there was actually a poem that Vol- that um, Blake wrote on Voltaire, which, I mean, it just, it, it, it sort of feels like this story had to be told. Like his poetry was kind of a map for this comic book. And I just really enjoyed it. Um, I just feel like, oh my God, your tragedy is about to begin. Like tragedy <laughs> is about to strike. Like, and I feel like, his wife is gonna have something to do there like i almost don't want to read wikipedia on blake because i want to read the story first and then kind of see about his story you know but um what did you guys think about the art um Um, i'll go ahead (laughs) 
I'm, I'm trying to form my thoughts right here. You would have thought of because uh, that I would have already done it. But honestly, I was more focused on the kind of language that they were using, which was very nice language, I think. Mm-hmm. That was very fitting for the things that they were going for. Um, the artwork itself is... It's not bad. Um, um, it's uh, all in black and white and like um, uh, kind of like grayscale going on. Uh, it... I don't want to say it starts out rough because I think that is doing a disservice to it. It's It has kind of like almost, I want to say that kind of illuminated manuscript feel that a lot of his, uh, Blake's own personal drawings kind of had as well. Um, um, and it, it fits the horror theme really well. Um, mm-hmm. Rough isn't the word that I'm looking for i think stylistically it looks like hmm, it's got kind of the like the long faces going on very atmospheric very very like leaning in kind of to the the horror aspect so I, i like that i thought it was i thought it was pretty good um and then, of course, you, as with most web comics and stuff like that, you can see the artist's own improvement uh, coming through as well, through like minute differences until they themselves develop their own style. Sometimes it's like a, a cleaner style, I want to say. Um, uh, and you can definitely kind of see that going on as well. Uh, so it's it's good. I liked it. I got to agree with you. At the beginning, I was like, Okay, I mean, it kind of it's fitting the story, but as the pages progressed, I did feel like there was a lot like a smoother transition between the marriage of the images and the dialogue and story behind it. So mm-hmm. um, I think it fit really well. Like it's, it, it almost looks like gaunt, like like you said, mm-hmm. like the whole like horror aspect of it is really duplicit in these pic in these drawings. So um, I. I can't imagine writing a story, researching and uh, drawing the pictures as well, like drawing the panels and all of that. But it must be so hard work. But uh, again, the way the story is developing is just really beautifully done. So I'm just like, wow. I'm I'm in, I'm in awe. I was like I, like I said at the first at the beginning I was like what am I reading and then after that I couldn't stop reading it. So I think that just tells you that it's such an engaging story and because you guys brought up other aspects of it other tiny aspects that would have happened in that time period like that makes it even better for me like I'm just really excited to read more so actually this comic you could actually purchase a digital copy that could be emailed to you ASAP or you could even purchase a print copy of this Um, you can go to GE g-a-l-l-a-s dot com backslash store and these comics are available for purchase Um, you also like we read it on tapas for free but if you want your very own like printed copy or you want a smoother transition without the ads you can purchase the digital copy but um yeah no i i I really enjoyed this are we ready to actually rate the comic yeah I'm going to start my name. This is Sarah. My name is Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) This is Sarah. And I'm going to give it the whole panaderia. I really enjoyed this. Um, Like I said, it 
it was a slow start for me, but then it engaged me so much that I really want to continue it. The aspects that you brought up about the time period and you, Jen, explaining a lot about Blake just makes me want to reread it and kind of like unlock all these like treasures. So that's my rating, um, The Hope Panaderia. What about you guys? This is Kristen. Um, I'm going to give it three conchas. Um, unlike, uh, well, like you, Sarah, in the beginning, it was very slow. And also, you guys know I hate black and white. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was very hard for me. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't even like this art. It was so, like, difficult. But as I read, and I'm really glad I continued because we had only... Uh, intended to read to 50 and I'm glad that I read further because uh, that's when the story really got um, interesting to me and I got pulled in and that is when the art started to make sense to me and it actually just uh, was very um, very uh, much a part of my enjoyment of the rest of the comic. So um, I'm giving it uh, tres conchas and um, definitely would be interested in continuing to read this. And I hope that she uh, puts some new ones up soon. Yeah. Um, so this is Jen and I'm going to give it uh, two conchas. I was unable to read further. I only got up to 50. So I'm pretty sure, I I mean, I enjoyed what I was reading. Uh, But uh, for me, it's going to be Los Conchas for now. Uh, I think it was really good. I love the concept. I love the, the, um, uh, G.E. Gallus seems to be very familiar with Blake uh, and seems to really, uh, obviously very love uh, his works and stuff like that enough to make a comic out of it. And I can I can feel that passion coming from uh, what I read. So I, I know for sure that they are doing uh, justice to the poet and also for themselves as well. Uh, so, but for right now, it's going to be two conchas for me until I can read further. And I'm sure it's going to blow me out of the water and it's going to be become three. But for right now, two. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that you could feel the passion reading this story. That's absolutely 100% on point. Um, so that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So right now I have something very unique. Um, uh, It is the oldest Maya codex on Kickstarter.com. It is a full-color restoration of the Maya codex of Mexico, formerly known as the Grolier Codex. So uh, I'm going to read a bit of the synopsis that they have on right here. Uh, it says, welcome. Welcome to the Kickstarter for the oldest Maya codist. Uh, I am Joaquin, a writer who has spent years researching and writing about the rich history and culture of the ancient Maya people. I'm excited to announce my latest project, a full color restoration of the Maya Codex of Mexico. This book will not only include the digitally restored codex, but will be a fascinating journey through the Maya world, exploring their art, architecture, religion, politics, and daily life. The Maya Codex of Mexico is an incredibly significant artifact dating back to the pre-Columbian era. It is considered one of the most important historical documents of the Maya civilization and is the oldest surviving book of the Americas. Um, Wow. So, and then he goes on a bit to cover briefly about like the story, the destruction of the Maya codices, uh, a little bit about the Maya Codex of Mexico as well. 
Um, uh, and then uh, he talks about the project and he says, I aim to restore the codex digitally and show the images of how it would have looked like during the time of the Maya, just what the ancient Maya elite would have held in their hands. The codex currently consists of the following pages and he has pictures of um, uh, the manuscripts. Uh, and he says, unfortunately, the codex is largely inaccessible to the general public and thus mostly forgotten. It rests inside the Anthropology Museum of Mexico City, where it was only exhibited once from September 28, 2017 to October 28, 2018. By publishing a book about the codex, I aim to bring more awareness to it. Um, and then he tells us what's in the book. And the book will be divided into four main sections. Uh, section one will be historical talk um, uh, context. It includes about the early post-classical period, the Maya deities, and pre-Columbian manuscripts. Section two is about the background of the codex, its purpose and function, Venus and the codex, uh, and a, its unique style. And then section three is the codex itself. Uh, he puts the original codex, the restored codex as he imagines it, and commentary. And then the exclusive um, uh, part for the Kickstarter edition, uh, we'll talk about the um, uh, the discussion of the codex uh, being talked about as being a forgery, but then Leido proven that it wasn't. Um, uh, the long journey uh, from having it where it was found to ha having it in um, uh, the museum, as well as additional resources. It is like a very impressive, large book. Um, uh, and if anything, I think it uh, deserves uh, recognition. And then a little bit about the author. Uh, Joaquin de la Sierra is a history enthusiast with a love for pre-Columbian art and literature. Um, uh, but for as long as he can remember, Joaquin has been fascinated by the rich cultural heritage of the intricate stories of the ancient civilization. He has always been a voracious reader, devouring every book he could get his hands on about pre-Columbian and European history. Joaquin... Uh, ha, ha, fuck it. Joaquin's... <laughs> Passion for history extends beyond just reading about it. He has been publishing his own books for years, diving deep into the whole process of writing, editing, illustrating, formatting, and publishing. He finds the entire process. And then it goes on a little bit more uh, about him. And he um, um, has links uh, to his previous uh, books as well. Um, so currently it has, it's already met its goal of $2,000. It's currently at $5,351 with 66 backers and 19 days to go. Wow. At $15, uh, you receive the ebook. Um, uh, and then at $37, you get the hardcover edition in black and white. At $67, you get the Kickstarter edition. And this is um, uh, the book. Not in black and white, so it's fully covered, uh, as well as the three additional chapters that are the Kickstarter exclusive. Then at 125, you get um, uh, three books, and then it keeps getting. Uh, uh, there's one last pledge at 250, which is the sponsor edition, which means that you become the book's primary sponsor and receive two copies of the Kickstarter edition, as well as a special mention in the acknowledgments uh, section, and it includes shipping. Um, so it starts out and then of course you can always back, uh, or pledge without a reward. You just want to support, but this has already made it. I thought it was really interesting 
Uh, I was looking to see, I mean, it seems to be a very well done piece of work, but I am an academic, so I was trying to see if he had any credits. Um, uh, And he is studying for his PhD in linguistics at um, a UAQ university, Um, but he hasn't yet. So this, I mean, this could be his kind of like potential thesis work or um, uh, dissertation Mm -hmm. work as well. Uh, So he himself is an academic as well. Um, uh, But it is not like fully recognized (laughs) academia. So um, as with all things that will, in the academic setting world, that is probably like people are going to be like, oh, well, I don't know. Um, uh, but by itself, he seems to have done incredible research and he has done some great, uh, like putting him itself in references for your work is 100% like an academic thing and like doing like all of like the, like the break, the breakdown itself is, it all reads very, very academic to me. So maybe not, not able for use as, uh. As a reference, as a official reference piece, but it could be uh, later in the future if there's any other copies made and he once he gets his PhD. So uh, I think it's interesting nonetheless, and I think you should support it. Uh, it looks really, really cool, and I think anything, any restoration of any pre-Columbian artifacts is something that should be acknowledged because there is a lot of it that was lost. So the oldest Maya Codex on Kickstarter. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's very important, especially since a lot of stuff was lost. Thank you so much, Jen. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Today, I have a website called latinosinkidlit.com. So this is a website that explores the world of Latinx creators and characters in the YA, middle grade, and children's literature um, areas. Their mission is to engage with works about for uh, and or by Latinx Creators offer a broad forum on Latinx children's middle grade and YA books, promote literacy and the love of books within the Latinx community, examine the historical and contemporary state of Latinx characters, encourage interest in Latinx children's middle grade and YA literature among non-Latinx readers, and share perspectives and resources that can be of use to writers, authors, illustrators, librarians, parents, teachers, scholars, and other stakeholders in literacy and publishing. On the site, you'll find posts about Latinx in children's literature. You'll find lists of books that they have read and reviewed with links to those reviews. You can find book talks where they highlight books that they are, they've been reading and explain why you should be reading them too. They have interviews with writers and illustrators about their creative journeys, interviews with agents and editors about the publishing process, teaching ideas, articles and news links aimed at writers and others involved in literacy and publishing, and also guest posts. And if you'd be interested in writing a guest post, you can um, write them uh, and uh, fill out the 
the reply section on the website and you can send it to them. So um, this is a really great resource, I think, for um all kinds of people interested in uh, literature, whether you are a parent, a teacher, or uh, just someone who loves reading YA, middle grade, or children's lit. So the website, once again, is latinosinkidlit.com. That's L-A-T-I-N-O-S-I-N-K-I-D-L-I-T.com. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And today's saludos goes out to Mireya Ulguin. Uh, that's again, Mireya, I'm sorry, Mireya Ulguin. And she is a um, small business uh, owned uh, business. And uh, you can follow her at an Instagram at Calaveritas with the K, K-A-L-A-V-E-R-I-T-A-S underscore Y underscore mas, Calaveritas y mas. And basically, I met th this uh, woman at um, Museum of Latin American Art on a free um, uh, family-friendly event at the museum where it was for Dia de Muertos. And basically what she does is she creates these uh, sugar skull kits. So you can, you get the sugar skull and it comes with like the different colored frosting and Shakira and even the colored foil in order for you to create your very own sugar skull for Dia de Muertos. She has a single skull kit and she also has like for families, you can order a six uh, skull kit where it has six small skulls and then you your family can get together and create their own sugar skulls. So Calaveras de Azúcar handmade in her home and, it, and they were actually interviewed on a segment on Telemundo Channel 52 in 2021. Um, so if you go to her Instagram, there is a link to the Telemundo um, uh, article or uh, interview with Calaveritas y Más. So saludos goes out to them, uh, small business. It was just such a pleasure to meet them. And also I was able to create my own sugar skull. And I had so much fun that next year I plan to order more sugar skulls in order for it to be like a family um, creative event. So saludos goes out to Calaveritas y Más. And Kristen, you also have a saludos, correct? I do. So I would like to uh, send out saludos to Sochil. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, if it's Thines or Thienes, T-H-I-E-N-E-S, uh, -E -E um, who is um, a creator. She's an artist and uh, she is uh, a visual development artist and character designer living here in California. She's currently the props FX designer at Nickelodeon on the TV show Casa Grandes. She's worked in both animation and video game industry. In addition to uh, her full-time work, where she uh, she also freelances for various game and animation studios. Um, she's worked for Jumpstart Games, Supercell, Titmouse, and other independent clients. Um, so you can contact her through her email at um, Soch Ramirez. So that's X O C H R A M I E R E Z. 18 at gmail.com because she's available for character props fx and color styling 
freelance work. And if you go to her website, which is uh, Sochil the uh, Sochil finds art. So X O C H I T L T H I E N E S A R T dot com. You will find such amazing uh, art. She is super, super talented. Um, I am a big fan of uh, the artist Shag and her style reminds me very much of his work. Um, I really love it a lot. And um, if you're interested in use or you're looking for a freelancer, um, I would definitely check her out. Um, SochilThinesArt.com. That sounds amazing. I'm looking at her Instagram and the work is really quite amazing. I really love her style. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, Kristen? They can find us at comadresecomics.com where you can find all the links to our social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, what else is there? Um, we have an email at comodicycomics at gmail.com. You also can check us out on uh, on YouTube or we have a YouTube channel where we have uploaded interviews with uh, Latino creators and all of their amazing projects as well. Absolutely, guys. And remember, we are on most social media platforms. So check us out. We are on TikTok. We have a videos that we create where we do unboxing and also uh, we have um, Kristen does these videos on how she uh, reviews some books that are in um, what is it called what do you call it Kristen <laughs> on my radar <laughs> oh it's on your radar yes I'm sorry yeah. I was like thank you what, what segment is it but yeah you can check those out thank you so much for um, your, all your support thank you so much for listening we have been your host I'm Sarah I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>